going on everybody welcome into another edition of the daily energy news beat stand up here on this gorgeous wednesday may 24th 2023 as always i'm your humble correspondent michael tanner coming to you from an undisclosed location here in dallas texas joined by the executive producer of the show the purveyor of the show and the director and publisher of the world's greatest website energynewsbeat.com Stuart turley my man how we doing today it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood we got us a whale of a show yeah, we do have us uh, a blue whale of a show. Um, nonetheless, uh, big one. Lots of great stories. First up on the menu. Why is Mexico's president so hostile to solar investment? Considering Mexico is one of the best potential locations for solar generation. It's interesting. The Mexican president stance on this. So Stu will dive into what that means uh, for both Mexico and for us and the world abroad. Next up, we have U.S. power grid facing elevated risk of shortages this summer amid green push. This is via a watchdog, a.k.a. the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, which is a nonprofit that regularly monitors the grid and makes public recommendations. They're saying watch out. So Stu will dive into how hot it's going to get this summer. Next up, renewable advocacy groups ask Congress for transmission permitting reforms. This is something where us and the renewable groups, I think, are aligned. Um, <laughs> I saw this story drop and I was like, I think for once they've got Stu on this one because um, he'll dive into the details here. But considering that these uh, renewable groups are pushing now Congress to do some sort of permitting reform, um, it's something we can get on board with. Next up, this new Middle East pipeline could be a game changer. Um, there's a 2000 uh, kilometer uh, pipeline that's being considered via Oman and UAA, uh, UAE through the Arabian Sea and on way to India. That could be an extremely vital pipeline to divert stuff away from Europe. So Stu will dive in to what that all means for the geopolitical economy. He'll kick it over to me. We'll cover actually a good day in oil prices. We're currently trading at uh, or closed yesterday at 73.90 uh, as we record this about 6.15 here on the 23rd. Um, price is really being buoyed by a pretty large EIA crude oil draw of about six, uh, six to seven million barrels. Um, not much on the news front. Um, we'll let you get out of here on a short day. Before I kick it back to Stu to start the show again, all of the stories you are about to hear are courtesy of the world's greatest website, www.energynewsbeat.com. Stu does a great job of curating that website to make sure it's up to date with all of your relevant energy and oil and gas news. Hit the description below. You can see the links and timestamps to all the different articles. Um, our team does a great job of curating that. Dashboard.energynewsbeat.com, the best place for all your data and energy news combo. Get it while you still can. It's definitely going behind a paywall, much like NatGas Intel is cutting you down to one article a day. We're cutting your access to dashboard.energynewsbeat.com very quickly. So get it while you still can. Questions at energynewsbeat.com. I'm out of breath, though, Stu. Where do you want to begin? All right. Hey, I'm going to the next show here. Uh, the next one is why Mexico's president is so hostile to solar energy investment. Well, it's kind of like when you get hit by a mule, you kind of don't walk around that mule anymore. And I think there's some interesting things in here. You just said it in the intro, Michael. Uh, Mexico is one of the best potential locations for solar energy generation in the world. Has great sun, great beaches, on paper at least. 
over the last decade, Mexico has successfully attracted billions of dollars in new investment in solar energy. But it has stalled during the president of Andres uh, Manuel Lopez Obrador. Um, Oh, I even said a name almost right. Let's come in here. Mexico has stopped issuing permits and canceled auctions for solar projects, uh, effectively cutting off the flow of private investor money. Let me tell you about how much. In 2017, Mexico received a whopping 35% of all renewable energy investment in Latin America. Today, they're only getting 7%. Mexico is going in the opposite. This is a quote from uh, Rivera Rivera Revota. Uh, Mexico is going in the opposite direction that the world is going in. This is a missed opportunity. Mexico has absolutely outstanding wind and solar resources. This is bringing up some really big points. Not the whole world is going to solar and wind anymore. So, And what's interesting is, of all places, you would think Mexico, given its size, given its ability to actually get solar and transmit it, it seems to be easier to do that in Mexico than it would be in Alaska in the wintertime. Right. You know, weather but, seems to be fairly good. You know, again, they mentioned the minimal season viability. The fact that they're not in on it says something. It's it's all it all comes down to the market, Michael. The solar cannot, by the time you try to add it to the grid, it just makes it too expensive. And for old Mexico is, you know, they've had to federalize uh, Petrobras in order to, you know, get them back into the, the, they got to make money. Yeah. So the problem is Mexico is a really high cost of production. What they do do a really good job of is hedging. They have been one of the world's most successful and well-renowned hedging programs um, that brings yes. in a significant amount of government revenue. Now, the problem is their actual, um, it's Pemex, not Petrobras. Oh, that's, uh, Petrobras that's Brazil. That's Brazil. Um, My bad. Thank uh, you. Pemex, notoriously terrible operator. I mean, I'll just go out and say it. I'm sorry. I mean, they're just, they're not, they not that great. Uh, no, oh. no mas trabajo in la. Uh, <laughs> well, it's just like it's just a it's a high cost operation, and uh, you know I haven't heard of uh, you know I I necessarily haven't heard of the uh, uh of of the, <laughs> someone correct me if I'm wrong though, but I don't think they're drilling whop, whoppers of wells over there in Mexico. I I don't even know if they're drilling in Mexico to be honest with you. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I'll, I'm going to call them up right now. Let me get a hold of Hefe and uh, hey, Wapo and give them a call. <laughs> and say what All right, what's next? Let's move on to the grid. <laughs> hey, let's go to the grid, dude. Uh, th- this is part of it. Uh, U.S. grid, U.S. power grid facing elevated risk of shortages this summer amid green energy push. The U.S. power grid is, see, Michael, when I was growing up, um, I don't remember having this many power problems. Um, you know, we had power problems because a tornado came whizzing through. The, but right now, the U.S. grid is facing an elevated risk of shortages in the coming summer months amid a nationwide push to replace fossil fuel generation with green alternatives, according to the top national grid watchdog, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. Okay. The elevated risk profiles uh, are substantial from new loads coming in. And part of it is 
when you tie in a wind farm, it takes years to get that thing tied in. When you do get it tied in, uh, all of a sudden it has not communicated with the other parts of the grid. Uh, this thing is now coming online and all of a sudden it's like uh, balancing authorities just want to go shoot themselves in the foot, in the head, actually. Well, I think they, they they point out a couple different things. They point out that nine regional grids, all of which include New England, every state west of Ohio and Ontario, Canada, are facing elevated power outage risk during this upcoming 2023 summer. This analysis specifically warned that much of that risk is driven by greater reliance on renewable energy sources, which are more favorable, which are more dependent on favorable weather. And the key is when you have hotter days, you tend to have less wind. So they specifically exactly. point out that key states like Texas, the Southwest Power Pool, and that includes Kansas and Oklahoma, and some additional 12 states between New Mexico and Iowa could not have enough dispatchable generation cons- how, from how much they've retired, considering the lower levels of wind that they're predicting. So, you know, it's I'm pro- I should probably buy a generator is what it sounds like. This is telling I need to buy a generator. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Uh, yes. And if you don't have a generator, you at least always need to have a go bag in case of a tornado. You got to be ready to go anyway for that. So uh, electricity in America, this is a quote from Daniel Turner. Electricity in America is becoming increasingly intermittent, and it's because we're transitioning rapidly towards unreliable and untested wind and solar. Daniel Turner, founder and executive director of Power of the Future, told Fox News Digital in an interview last week. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I it's again, we talk about dispatchable power. That's the problem with renewables. It's not dispatchable, you know, and, you know, if if you're going to if you look at the article, you will notice the smokestack that is the plume of exhaust coming out of Mitchell Power Station, which is a coal fired plant up there in Pennsylvania. I'm not saying we need to bring coal plants online, but at least give me some natural gas. I'm, I'm all for retiring all the coal plants we can. Let's do it orderly. Let's do it. And just like we talked about yesterday on uh, TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority, retiring a coal plant and they're trying to put in the natural gas plant. Hey, that makes solid good sense. It's ironic. Shockingly common sense coming out of what seems to be a regulatory body. What do we got next here? Speaking of regulatory bodies, what's next? Whoa, regulatory bodies, man. Uh, Renewable advocacy group asked Congress for transmission permitting reforms. (laughs) Here's what the problem is, Michael. You know, all of a sudden you and I, we've done the the help on the uh, regulatory issues for oil and gas. Oil and gas guys are used to it. The uh, other guys, the the wind and solar are just getting hammered with these new regulations. Uh, hammered. Research shows that we will need to double the pace of historical transmission deployment in order to maximize the carbon emission reduction benefits of this historic legislation. The groups explain in the letter, these reforms are essential to realization of the 21st century transmission grid in America that needs to bolster economic competitiveness. Guess what? It it can't happen. The amount of money needed in order to update the grid to use renewables is about three times the amount that the uh, Porculus bill, the Inflation Reduction Act was. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to. I'm going to I'm going to go halfway between you and this article and say, OK, I'm with them 
that we need to do permitting before. Absolutely. We are, and that's their a, core. A nuclear, their, that, that, that is really the, I mean, you know, that nuclear reactors take agree. 20 I mean, years. These groups, I mean, I, I'll give you an idea. Like, I'm not, I, you know, we, we, we the, these groups are the American Council of Renewable Energy, you know, and the Solar Energy Industries Association. So, I mean, you, you know, we're there, you know, much like the American Petroleum Institute. It's kind of right. obvious where they're, where, where they're, uh, allegiances lie. So right. I, you know, not that I want to agree with ACOR by any stretch of the imagination, but um, in this case, they're realizing what we've all learned in the oil and gas business, man, regulation sucks. We've sort of right. in, in, in our business thrown our hands up and just gone along with it. They're hoping to get new grid updates to come in. I'm halfway with you. We do need the grid updates. Now, do we need the grid updates specifically so that we can roll out more solar? Not necessarily, in my opinion, we can quabble over what the new sources that are getting plugged into the grid. But I'm going to say I'm with them. We do need to spend the you know, we need to spend money on fixing the grid. So I I agree. Whatever that looks like, if that means I have to show up to a dinner and sit next to somebody at the Solar Energy Industries Association, I mean, sweet, like we'll have a great dinner. Oh, I think it'd be fantastic. But here's the thing. Regulatory processes are due to the. Uh, Department DOE, Department of Energy, and guess what's going on? It's the legislation through regulations, and they're pumping their thing on it. But when they're pumping their views and opinions using regulatory processes, they get greedy and they even try to regulate, over-regulate their wind and solar buddies. It's just people don't know how to do energy at the Department of Energy. Yeah, well, it's, that that's sad. The people of the Department of Energy don't know how to do energy. That is sad. All um, right, let's move on. Let's go to the next one. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, nuclear guy, the uh, head of the nuclear waste, went shopping in airport terminals all the time. Okay, let's go to the next story here. This new Middle East pipeline could be a game changer. Boy, the title of this is really understating the the dynamics of this new pipeline. The new pipeline will run along 2,000 kilometer kilometer corridor via Oman and UAE that you already said. This pipeline sub-project of the main Middle East to India pipeline is re-energizing plans of the Iran, Oman, gas, and LNG project. This is stinking huge. Listen to these numbers. Uh, The EU imported an average of over 13.4 billion cubic feet BCF per day in gas by pipeline from Russia, or around 49 trillion cubic feet for the year. So where that comes into play is this pipeline will do more than that. The new gas pipelines being planned will run along 2.9 trillion cubic feet of gas reserves pumping into that for continued gas supplies from LNG. Unbelievable amounts of gas going through this pipeline. Politically, that is nuts. Well, because it's the first time all of these different these different governments have really worked in unison to get something put together. Right. It, it takes all of this gas out of the EU, pumps it down to India, who, you know, is basically saying, yes, thank you very much. We will take your cheap gas all day, every day. Yes. And by the way, for the environment, the more we can get India on natural gas and LNG, 
the better for the planet and the people of India. I think it's phenomenally way cool. Yeah. And, you know, it. I, I'm excited in 30 years to have some random guy on Substack break the news that this pipeline was bombed. So uh, we will. Uh... <laughs> um, OK, we won't have to worry about that. Well, I think I may found out who's going to do it. Do you remember the Oklahoma City bombing? Yeah, I was not alive for that. What uh, year was that? 80 something, 89 something. Yeah, was, uh, it was fortunately uh, an early 90s baby. It was 5,000 pounds of ammonia nitrate, a, a freight train with a 30 ton shipment of ammonia nitrate disappeared from a rail car on its way to California. And so they said, oh, oops, we don't know where 30 tons when 5,000 pounds took one building down that would happen yesterday yeah that's that's lovely that's lovely Stu. thanks for that one as we move into oil prices thank goodness oil was up about two percentage points today after hearing about ammonia nitrate going missing time stands here about 6 30 here on the 23rd oil currently trading about 73.82 really off the back of what was a huge api projected draw of 6.7 million barrels that dropped here at about 2.30 today. As you listen to this on Wednesday, you will know at around 10.30 central time what actually happens with the EIA crude oil, excuse me, 9.30 central time, 10.30 Eastern um, on what happens with crude oil inventory reserve. That's going to definitely help buoy prices. It was only a $1.6 million draw or million barrel draw from the SPR. So a lot of that is commercial. You know, I thought this was Fairly interesting, Stu. The Saudi Arabian energy minister came out today and he was quoted as saying he was talking to short sellers. He would say those betting that prices will fall will be, quote, ouching. And he told them to watch out. You know, these these, these comments come amid um, OPEC plus exploring cuts at their June 4th meeting. You know, you know, there's a lot of talks going around, obviously, about the debt ceiling, what's going to happen, no signs of progress. Again, we have that $31.4 trillion borrowing limit. Um, no one really knows what's going to happen if we do end up defaulting, actually. I mean, we, there's it's been it's happened a couple times, and I think there's a lot... I think the scenarios are a lot scarier than what might actually happen. But in terms of just global financial stability, we obviously need to make sure that we keep that. So it'll be interesting. And we will be watching that. I think everyone's just sort of eyeing in on that OPEC decision. And then obviously what Jerome Powell does next. Fairly quiet. Um, we had the uh, on the oil and gas news front. I know we had uh, Chevron picking off PDC yesterday. So I think we're going to continue to see some of those small time M&A deals. Um, I do think there was something larger brewing out there. There, you know, I, you know, Chevron, Exxon, Shell, Conoco, they're not just going to be sit. They've got Huge amounts of cash right now. They got to do something with it. The question is, what do they do? Especially if, if PDC is willing to sell out for an all stock deal. I mean, interesting what you might be able to get for a larger company. Can you do an all, can you do a little half stock, half cash? Who knows? It'd be interesting to see what some of these maybe larger independents would think about doing outside of, you know, 30 tons of ammonia nitrate going missing, Stu. What else should we be scared about? The I don't know if politicians. I yeah, the politicians. <laughs> that that luckily we already knew that so uh if you didn't know that newsflash politicians don't have your best interests at heart sorry oops 
<laughs> All right, guys. Well, we'll let you get out of here. Again, email us questions at energynewsbeat.com. We appreciate all of the feedback for Stuart Turley. I'm Michael Tanner. We'll see you tomorrow, folks.